Yeah, our staff has way too much time on their hands. That's, uh, hey, I am excited. I'm excited. I'm very happy tonight on, for three reasons. One is, apparently cold medicine and ADD medicine are the same thing combined as cocaine. Because I'm like, wow, I see Jesus right now. Because I have a cold. And uh, so um, I'm going to spit on you. You'll have a cold by Tuesday. All right? And, uh, and uh, so anyway, uh, that, that, I'm, I'm excited about that. The other thing is, if you weren't here last week, um, it was amazing. Um, I think you were here because we had more people than we've ever had at Flatirons last weekend uh, on, a regular, on a regular weekend as people came up here and kind of put their cards up here and said, hey, let's go build something amazing and not talking about a building but about a community. And uh, if, you, if you missed last weekend or you want some information on bricks or you want to drop something off or pick something up, from now on, anything about bricks is out there at the information center on that side. So you can go out there and find everything you need to know about that. The other thing I'm really excited about is that when my message is over, and some of you are excited about that every week, it's over, yay, but uh, um, we're doing a Michael Jackson song, and I'm just so excited about that, and, uh, because I, I, you know, he has all his stuff, but I still love him. And so anyway, that's just me, so just, you know, if you think I'm weird, well, welcome to Flatirons, and just figuring that out. So anyway, so we're starting this new series uh, tonight. And I'll explain this. Uh, we're starting a new series um, every, on Labor Day, and we're going all the way through Thanksgiving. We've been looking at the first public speech, sermon, message, lesson, whatever, that Jesus ever gave. As a matter of fact, in the, in the following three years, almost everything he said could be kind of linked back to this, this talk he gave on a mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, all right? And it, it's, it's just, he had gone on and on, and we've been unpacking this, is, uh, about these, these, these subjects like, what's faith look like? And what's your life look like if you really have faith? What, what does it look like for a person if they say, you know what, I'm in. I believe in God and I believe in the whole Jesus thing and I think he can actually do what he claims to be able to do. And so that, we've been looking at those two things. And the other thing is, what's this church thing supposed to be, you know, according to Jesus? Because it was all kind of his idea. So what, what is church all about? So we're kind of coming back. We, we spent like the last two and a half months on two chapters. And we're finally on chapter 7 of Matthew. If you want to find that in your Bible, it's all the parts you don't understand, then maps then Matthew. Okay, so that's, that's the, one of the biographies of Jesus. If you want to start looking for it now, page 673 in that one. It's on the program. But anyway, um, it's like he's starting to wind down his talk. And it's like, it's like he's looking at the people going, okay, I've been going on for quite a while now about a myriad of subjects. But in my last few minutes with you, I want to kind of key in on some, some very key, key truths, all right? And uh, then, so we're going to look at that and just understand, do you understand this faith thing? And then next week, or two weeks from now, we're going to kind of, kind of wind it up because Jesus is going to kind of describe like what final exam is going to look like to see if we really did get it. Now, our staff, like I said, like you just saw, is they're not right on a lot of things, but whenever we're trying to put a series together, we always look for something in today's culture that we can compare what Jesus was talking about so that we can maybe do the link and go, oh, because that's what Jesus used to do. He'd be talking about spiritual things, God things, you know, kingdom things, heaven stuff, all that. But he'd be talking to farmers and fishermen and shepherds. So he would compare God's stuff to like shepherd stuff. And then all the shepherds would go, oh, well, that makes sense. And then they would remember it. Or, you know, following me is kind of like, you know, going fishing. And all the fishermen would go, oh, I get it, and farming and all that kind of stuff. So, so we're kind of looking at what is it that we can kind of tie this together. Now, our staff, we all love Jesus, but we don't really agree on much of anything else. Okay, um, so uh, uh, our programming meetings, we kind of go, you know, banner back and forth, and, and we argue about some things. You know, not so much Jesus, we're almost all on the same page with him, you know, and, and not politics, we're split, you know, all over, people are all over the place on that. No, I'm talking about important things, like, um, which is better, Mac or PC? Like, we, we argue about stuff like that. And, you know, some people use PCs, and then the Christians use Macs. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> don't walk out, just lighten up. Anyway, so... So like, like, like Chris is talking, I, a couple weeks ago, I got a, one of those Apple Mac I, iPhones, and I am just like computer, like not right. So, but I have, you know, I have, you know, 
Electronic Envy. So if you have a better electronics than me, I have to go buy one. So anyway, so anyway, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my phone, and it has 3G. I have, I have no idea what that means. And so I, I Wikipedia it, because that's the truth of all life can be found on Wikipedia. So I'm looking at Wikipedia, and 3G stands for third generation. Ta-da! All right, so you're going, ah. So because it's on every commercial now, anything having to do with a cell phone, it's the third generation of technology available to those of us who use cell phones, and it promises to give us greater access and more features. Ta-da, I'm so smart. Anyway, specifically, 3G allows better transmission of video images so you can see better. Um, it allows wider coverage so you can send and receive information better and faster. And then 3G uh, provides greater security to protect against fraud and, and theft. So here's the thing. is Over the next three weeks, that fits perfectly. Because we're going to look at this. And so every time you see a 3G commercial now on TV, you'll go, oh, it's kind of like church. But what Jesus was saying is it's, it's just like that. Because over the next three weeks, Jesus is going to say, this is how you can see better. And this is how you can kind of receive better. And then this is, this is how you can kind of figure out what's right and, and, and what's wrong. All right? Does that make, that make sense? So um, that's what 3G is going is to stand for. Now, at the end of every one of Jesus' teachings, he kind of looks at us and goes, are, are you understanding do you get it? Is, it? is it clicking in you? So each week I'm going to ask a question. Several, five times tonight I'm going to ask this question to see if you get it. And if you got it, you're going to respond. It's audience participation night. Got it. And then I'll say something like, good. But when, before you say got it, got it's got to mean more than I heard you. I heard what you said. I heard what Jesus said. I heard what you said Jesus said. It means it has got to be more than that. What it means is I heard it and I understand. And I know what I need to do with that. I need to actually put that into practice. So if you really do get it, that's really good. So let's practice. I'll say get it. You say got it. I'll say good. Here we go. Ready? Get it. Good. So much better than the five o'clock. So anyway, so let's look at this talk that Jesus has given. Matthew chapter seven. He's out there on this mountain. They've been out there for hours. They're probably sunburned by now. And now they're kind of looking at going, okay, Jesus, wrap this thing up. What do you want to say us now? Okay. So it looks like Matthew chapter seven, verse one. Jesus looks at these people, and they're all religious people, by the way. These aren't people like that worship and other stuff. They, they all claim to follow God. So he looks at me and says, um, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, some of us didn't even know that was in the Bible, <laughs> but Jesus actually said that. And it's probably one of the most used, overused, misused verses in the whole Bible. And here's what I mean by that. At first reading, it looks like Jesus is saying this. If you see somebody doing something that you know is wrong or you think is wrong or that God says is wrong, shut up. Don't, 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 don't worry about it. It's none of your business. Because you don't have the right to tell somebody what's right or wrong. You, you can't tell anybody else what's right or wrong. And that's partly right and that's partly wrong. It's right in that only God has the right to tell anybody what's right or wrong for anybody. All right? He's in charge of right and wrong. All right? So he's the one who gets to say that's right and that's wrong. And nobody else, nobody here or then has a right to redefine what he's already said. That's right and that's wrong. So you're right there. But it's wrong in that if you really care about somebody and you see him doing something that that God says is going to hurt him or, or, or is harmful to them or harmful to somebody else. If you really care about him, you should say something. And I even go even further than that. You have a responsibility to, for people that you care about to say something. But the, the key phrases we're going to look at tonight are, do, do you really care about him? And who said it was right and wrong? Make sure that God's the one who said that. See, God actually instructs us to use good judgment. He's not saying, don't, you know, just throw all judgment out the window. He's saying, no, you've got to use good judgment. You need to search through situations and what's going on and discern if something is good or bad according to what God says about it. And you need to speak up if you care about him. So Jesus is not contradicting himself saying, no, don't, don't, don't do that. No, what Jesus is saying is the same thing he said a couple weeks ago when we talked about thou shalt not murder. He's saying this, don't self-appoint. 
Don't put yourself in the place or the position of being another person's judge. Hearing or seeing somebody do something and then taking it upon yourself to say, I'm going to judge you and I'm going to be your jury and your executioner. Right? I'm going to take it upon myself because I see it and you're doing it wrong. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it upon myself to fix you or change you or better yet, I'm going to punish you because what you're doing is wrong and I'm going to let you know that. Jesus says, don't do that. Because if you do that, there's a cost to treating and judging people like that. And here it is. Look at the next verse. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure, or like the measuring stick, with the measure that you use on other people, it will be measured to you by God. See, Jesus isn't saying yeah, there's, there's no right, there's no wrong. You don't even try to figure that out. What he's saying is that when you see somebody do something that you think, believe, you know, you know is wrong, Whatever method or standard you decide to impose on them, like make them live up to that in order for them to be okay, the same method or standard is going to be applied to you by God. In other words, you'll be judged not by whether or not you do the same things they're doing, but by the same level of perfection you're demanding of them in order for them to be considered good or okay. Does that make sense? Let me just kind of sum it up again. Next week, Jesus is going to teach something that a lot of us, again, didn't know was in the Bible, but Jesus is the one who thought it up. We call it the golden rule, all right? But that's Jesus, all right? And we all know what it is. It goes like this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, all right? So treat other people the way you want to be treated. Jesus is teaching something else before he gets to that. Tonight, what he's teaching is uh, do unto others, treat others, judge others now the way you hope or you want God to treat and judge you later. Does that make sense? Treat other people, judge other people now the same way you hope that God's going to judge or treat you later in the future, right? And that's what we're all hoping for. If it's true, and this is what the Bible teaches, that one day, all right, we'll all stand before God and give an account for everything we've ever done. Every one of us is hoping that if that's true and we stand before God, we're hoping that God will not give us what we deserve, right? None of us None of us want, you know, lay it on me, God. None of us are hoping that's what that day looks like, all right? If that day exists, none of us want what's fair. We will look back at God and go, please don't treat me fairly. I would like unfair. Thank you. Uh, that, none of us want to be treated fairly. Give me something other than what I have coming. But we're also not thinking that God's going to look at us and go, ah, don't worry about it. It, it, it doesn't matter. Boys will be boys. All right? You shouldn't have done that, but ollie, ollie, oxen free. No, that's, that's, not, that's not it. What we're hoping is that God will look at us and say, hey, listen, what you did did matter. It did. But I found a way to separate you out from what you did and judge what you did and still find a way to love and forgive and embrace you. And Jesus says, if that's what you want from God later, by the way, that's called grace. That's what you need to give to to somebody else now. All right, so here's teaching number one. It's gonna be audience participation. It goes like this, look at the screens. If you wanna receive grace, you need to give grace. If you want to receive, and there's lots of places to write on your program tonight, if you want to receive grace, you need to give grace. Let's change the pronoun and personalize that, and we'll say it together. One, two, three. If I want to receive grace, I need to Get it? Good, good, good. Let's move on then. Teaching number two goes like this. You are not qualified to pass judgment on anybody else. You're just not qualified. I mean, you're something special, but you're not qualified, all right? You're not qualified to pass judgment on anybody else. So let's personalize that. One, two, three. Here we go. I am not qualified to pass judgment on anybody else. This is true, even if you're right. 
All right, and I can prove that. Look at this next verse. Why, and this is Jesus still talking, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank, literally a beam, in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? I love this. Jesus is so sarcastic. We think Jesus is walking around going, I just love you. No, no, no. He's, 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 just, he's just jabbing. He's, he's, this is what he's saying to him. Do you understand how ridiculous you look? How crazy you look, walking around, all spiritual and religious, going, um, excuse me, row 21, you have a speck in your eye, it's really grossing me out, and you shouldn't be doing that. And over there, that whole section, you've got specks in your eye, really, right. Do you know how ridiculous you look walking around, and the whole time you've got like this log hanging out of your face? Just, what makes you think you can do that? You, nobody's going to take you seriously. Nobody cares what you have to say about their, their speck or anything else you might have to say. There's a couple teachings in here. First is... This whole, look, look at it. This whole interaction is between two people, a person and their brother. That's important. Their person and their brother, which is the biblical way of saying me and somebody I really care about. This is not about me and those people. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, people like that. You know, you know, we all know. We all have it that. And I'm not going to say that out because then we'll think that the whole message is about that. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's not about me and people like that. It's about me and someone I really care about, my, my, my brother. Th- this is about me and my friend. Which brings up the question of motivation. Why do you care so much? Why, why does this bug you so much about the speck in their eye, what they are or they're not doing? Do you really care about them? Or are you just kind of anti-speck? You know, kind, kind of sawdust phobic, you know? Is that you? Honestly, why do you care about whether or not they have that particular speck of sawdust in their eye? And even if you're right, again, why should they listen or care what you have to say about it? I mean, who are you to them? See, this conversation, according to Jesus, is only really allowed, even talking about our stuff, between two people that really care about one another. Not me and all the people like that. It's me and people I love. See, and the other thing is that Jesus is not saying, you know, their sawdust is good and your plank's bad. No. Nobody wants either one in their eye. Do you? Does anybody say, well, at least it's not a plank, at least it's just a splinter. That hurts. No, nobody wants anything in, in their eye. You know, Jesus isn't removing, here, this is important. When he says don't judge, he's not removing the, the presence of judgment. He's removing the presence of hypocritical judgment. It's, t- it's totally different. See, you and I, we have no right to judge anybody else's sawdust while we're ignoring our own stuff. Like it doesn't matter. Or maybe it's just not as bad as your stuff. And then even if we're right. Even if you're right, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Whatever, and you can back it up with 50 Bible verses. You're still not qualified to pass judgment on anybody. And besides, folks, he's not talking about your brother and their speck. He's talking about you, plank face. <laughs> right? This isn't, you know, this is not their, their speck is not even your deal. He's saying, don't you judge with a plank in your face what's going on in somebody else's life. This isn't about the other guy, whether or not they should or shouldn't be doing that. That's, that's, a, that's not our deal. This is about our tendency to ignore our own stuff and focus or point on what somebody else is doing wrong. See, this is true. When you have a board sticking out of your face, at best, you can only see 50% of what's going on. Right? It's just true. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what God's doing in your life. And I certainly don't have a great perspective that I can pass judgment on what I think I see to try to do so. Jesus, Jesus calls hypocrisy. Right? 
So he said, well, then what am I supposed to do? Because, you know, I, I love that person and they are screwing up. I mean, they're doing things wrong. And God, not because I think it's wrong. God says, I got Bible verses that says what they're doing is wrong. Without being a hypocrite, what am I supposed to do when, when my friend is doing something wrong? Well, and here's the answer. Look at verse 5. And this is Jesus talking. He says, you hypocrite, all right, because you tend to do this, all right? Instead, here's what I want you to do. First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then, I might say, and only then, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Third teaching. Here it is. Ready? If you ever want to help anyone else, the first thing to do is take the plank out of your own eye. If you ever want to help anyone else, the first thing to do is take the plank out of your own eye. Now, let's say that together, and let's just change the pronoun. Here we go. If I ever want to help anyone else, the first thing to do is take the plank out of my own eye. According to Jesus, the only way to effectively remove a speck from somebody else's eye is to put all your effort into working on your own plank, right? And then, and only then, and it's not even guaranteed, but I promise that until this happens, it's not going to happen. Maybe then the person with the speck in their eye, when they see that you are humble and that you admit that you're jacked up too and that you've got your problems, but you're working on them, then, and again, there's no guarantee, but I promise, again, it won't happen until you get here then they might be open to the idea that maybe there's something other than walking around with a speck in their eye. See, I think Jesus is trying to clear up some job descriptions. They've gotten kind of confused over the last 2,000 years of church. Here it is. This is deep. This is worth coming for right here. Our job as followers of Jesus, you want to write this down? Is to follow Jesus. Oh, wise one. That's it, all right? Our job as followers of Jesus is simply to follow Jesus ourselves ourselves, and then invite others to come and see for themselves what Jesus describes as a better way to live our life. That's all we try to do around here. We don't shove it down your throat. We just go, there he is. Think about it. There he is. Have your conversation. And there's a, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between shine, shining a light on what Jesus says is a better way and trusting that the Holy Spirit can teach someone or convict somebody or change someone, something that only he can do. That's very different than you and I trying to be someone's Holy Spirit and trying to force them to do something they don't understand. See, it's impossible and this is our story, a lot of us, to bring about real life long change in a person's life that the Holy Spirit hasn't convicted them about yet. It doesn't even make sense. You're, you're speaking another language. See, they're making their decisions and they're making their seeing life from the same perspective that you see yours through. They think they're right and justified and understandable as you think you are. And until God changes their mind, if and if he ever does, any change that they do is superficial. And it won't last. They're either changing to try to get you to like them or accept them. Or they're changing so that you won't punish them. And I promise, because this is our story, right? It'll fade away. It'll fade away. It just does, doesn't, it doesn't last. See, here's the truth. And we all know this is true, okay? You know what the opposite of hypocrisy is? It's not perfection. I don't make mistakes anymore. Therefore, I'm not, no. It's not. It's, it's not an expert telling a screw-up what they're doing wrong. The opposite of hypocrisy is, me too. That's why we say it so much around here. Me too. See, if, and Jesus says this, if the greatest commandments, the most important things written in the whole Bible go like this, you got to love God and love people. If that's true, if I love God, all I can do is quote him. All I can do is repeat what he says is right and wrong. Even if I don't understand it, all I can do is say, listen, I love God. I've got to say what he says. It's just, he says that's right. You know, I, there's, there's times when I want to go, I wish, I wish he hadn't said that. I have conversations with people in this church, and they'll go, hey, what do you think the Bible says about this? And I want to go, oh, this is going to land hard on your life. He actually says this, and I don't want to tell you this, because it really, but, but I love him. 
and I have to say what he says. But if I love you, I still only have the right to say what God says. But when I say it, I can't say it like I'm God, like I'm your judge. If I quote God to you, I have to quote him as a me too fellow struggler. If I quote God and say this is what God says about what any of us are doing, I have to do it as what I just told you about God, I screw that up myself. I'm a fellow failure in that. If, if I point to the Bible, even if I'm right, I have to do it in a way of, uh, from the perspective of a me too person who's dependent upon God's grace and forgiveness. If not about this, about something else. See, me too, I heard it said this way one time, is one beggar telling another beggar where they can find food. That's all we are here. See, Me Too doesn't give me permission to ignore the tough teachings of God. And there's some tough stuff in there, folks. There's stuff in the Bible I wish wasn't in there, to be honest with you. But I don't have the right to ignore it about my life or yours. I, can't, I wish sometimes I could come up here and go, ah, it doesn't matter. Everybody messes up. Everybody makes mistakes. I don't have the right to do that. But I also don't have permission to spotlight what God says about your stuff and ignore what's going on in my life. Jesus says, that's hypocrisy. It's out of bounds for his people. I'll give you the perfect example, okay? And I've told this story before because it's like the perfect story. This and the prodigal son are like the perfect stories in the Bible. The whole Bible's perfect, but go with it. All right, so anyway, Jesus is walking down the road one time, and some religious guys had somehow caught a girl having sex with somebody she wasn't married to. All right, I don't know how that worked, and I don't know where the guy was because it takes two. But anyway, they knock the door down. They pull her out of bed. They drag her naked through the streets. They throw her at Jesus' feet and, and start quoting Bible verses at Jesus. Hey, Jesus, the Bible says, and by the way, if you want to look this up later, Leviticus chapter 20, all right? The Bible says, God says, that people that do stuff like this deserve to die. They deserve to have all, all, all the people take stones and, and cave them, just cave their skull in. The Bible says that's true. Jesus, what do you have to say about this? And they're hoping to trap him. If he says they're right, they'll say he's mean. If they say he's wrong, they'll say he's disobeying God's word. So he doesn't say anything. There's this naked girl there just trying to cover herself up. He just writes in the dirt a little bit. No one knows what he wrote. He stands up and you know what he says? You're right. You're right. So that's what the Bible says. That the Bible actually says that, that sinners deserve to die. So here's what we're going to do. Okay? Maybe he had a whistle or something. All right? Here, here we go. Ready? Whoever's here who's never sinned, you go first. And then the rest of us will kind of join in. That's what he said. But what he meant was, let's give her what she deserves. And then let's work our way through the crowd and give everybody what they deserve. Who wants to go first? See, they were right. They were absolutely right. That's what the Bible said. They, they were right about the law and the Bible. They just didn't like the application. Because if those are the rules we're going to play by, when we're done with her, if the wages of all sin is death, when we're done with her, I'm next. And then we'll get to you, and we'll just work our way through the crowd. And the story ends with everybody dropping their rocks and going home. Now, listen, Jesus never looked at this girl and went, ah, don't worry about it. He never, he never said, you know, this is no big deal. Just go, just go home. He looked at her and he said, don't do this anymore. That's the truth. He had to quote his father because he loved his father. And his father said, listen, this is not good for you. Having sex with someone you're not married to, listen, that's, my father knows this is going to destroy parts of your life. And some of us would say, that's our story. But he also sent a message to all those people that were holding stones. And it, it kind of went like this. Um, who, all those people holding stones, when pressed, admitted, I got a plank in my eye. He says, yeah, you're right, she's guilty. Um, but passing judgment on one another, even if you're right and they are guilty, takes you down a path I'm not sure you want to go down. Because you're not going to like where it takes you. So teaching number one, if you want to receive grace, we have to give grace. Get it? 
Good. Teaching number two goes, goes like this. You aren't qualified to pass judgment on anybody due to your own shortcomings. Hypocrisy is not having a plank in your eye making mistakes. That's not it. Hypocrisy is passing judgment on somebody else while ignoring the plank in your own eye. Get it? Good. Teaching number three goes like this. If you want to help somebody else, the first thing to do is work on removing your own plank from your own eye. Get that? Good. One more. Here's the next one. Teaching number four goes like this. Our job is to follow the Holy Spirit of God, not try to be the Holy Spirit of God. Our job is to try to be, or to try to follow the Holy Spirit of God, not try to be the Holy Spirit of God. Let's change the pronoun and say it together. One, two, three. My job is to follow the Holy Spirit of God, not try to be the Holy Spirit of God. Get it? Really? Really? Because what would that look like if we really got that? What would this place look like? What would this church look like? What would it feel like in here if everybody agreed, if we all agreed, we're only going to treat one another the way we hope that one day God treats us? What if we gave each other that kind of break, that kind of grace? What would this place look like if you and I really believe that God does not have a list of sins listed naughtiest to nice? He just has one list and has one word on it, sin, and all of us have the same word on our list. We've all, we've all committed it. What would this place look like if you and I were really much more focused on working on our own junk with God rather than spending so much energy and time focusing on what other people are doing wrong? And what would this place look like if you and I linked arms with one another and we agreed to take care of one another? Whether we agreed with their personal choices or not, we just agreed we're going to love one another. We're going to walk together and we're going to trust that God's spirit is a better teacher than you or I could ever be. And if anybody's ever going to change, it's because God changed them. And if they never change or it takes a long time, we're going to stick with them. What would this place look like then? It was, and I know the arguments. Well, Jim, now wait a minute. Wait. It sounds like you're suggesting that we like throw the doors open wide on this place and anybody could come here. I'm not suggesting it. Jesus commands it. Well, what if we do that? I mean, I mean, won't some people take advantage of that? Like they'll come here and they'll think that we think that their sin is okay? Yes. Sure they will, but that's already happening. That's happening tonight. There are people here tonight, serving here tonight, heck, on staff tonight. And they are convinced that their particular sin is not nearly as bad as yours. They believe that. I I believe that. I'm going to let you in on a little secret because I've been watching you guys come in. The guy sitting next to you today sinned several times this week. (laughs) So you know, you're surrounded by people who sin. You just don't happen to know what they did. Or you might know, but this is not bug you. It's not on your list of naughty sins or big deal sins. The Bible teaches there will always be people who, who will use God's love and grace and forgiveness as an excuse and permission to keep on sinning. I can't help that. I can't keep people from doing that. That's between them and God. They've got to work that out. But my deal is not about what they do. It's about me. And if people who sin still can't serve here, I got to resign tonight. And I know my staff pretty well. They're fired. (laughs) Because if there's ever a room full of people who deserve to go to hell for their past, it's the Flatiron staff, all right? (laughs) And parents, uh, you might want to leave now and go pick up your kids because I checked. And everybody working in the children's ministry tonight has either a plank or speck in their eye. I can't tell them apart. The parking crew, all sinners. (laughs) The lady who made your coffee, wow. Um, (laughs) 
and the band has committed multiple sins, all right, and uh, several felonies too. But anyway, uh, it, see, if, if, if we only let people come here or serve here who don't sin anymore, Jesus is going to be really lonely because it's going to be an empty room, right? And I know I'm being sarcastic, but think about it. I'm not, and Jesus is not at all suggesting that sin doesn't matter. Of course it matters. What Jesus is saying is it's not our job to decide which sins are bad, which are usually yours, and which sins are not as bad, which are usually mine. Right? Jesus says it's his job to change people. It's our job to work on our stuff with Jesus and point other people towards Jesus so that they can work out their stuff with him too. So, who's welcome at Flatirons? How about this? Anybody looking for God's will for their life? Is that a low enough bar? Anybody who's looking for God's will for their life is welcome here. But it comes with a question, all right? Are you open to the idea that God may have a different will for your life than what you thought it was? That's tough. But you've got to work that out with God. Anybody who's looking for God's purpose and will for their life is welcome here. Are you open that God's will for your life might be different than what you thought it was or felt it was? So that's the question. But there's also a liability if we, if we adopt this for this church. If we treat people the way Jesus treated people, we're going to get asked the question that was asked of and about and to Jesus more than any other question I can find in the Bible. They ask him over and over, why does Jesus, why does your master, why do you hang out with, eat dinner with, why are you friends with, why do you go to parties with sinners, people who still sin? And here's what Jesus, how Jesus responded, and this is how we have to respond to people who ask that question. Matthew chapter 9, on hearing this, why do you hang out with people like flatterance people? Why? Jesus said this, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. I desire love, not sacrifice. See, this is just true. And this is some of our stories. Jesus knows, and you and I know, if anybody's ever going to find healing in their life, it would come because they first received mercy in their life. Right? And grace and love, not religious instruction. Even if the religious instruction is right, it's got to be prefaced with love. Paul wrote this in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 2. He says this, it's God's kindness that leads a person to repentance. And repentance just means I'm going to change my mind, I'm going to change my heart. Well, literally the whole thing, Romans chapter 2, look at this. And he's talking to church people. He's not talking to, you know, you know, pagans. He's not talking to people who don't like God or don't believe in God. These people all go to church every week. He says, you, church people, therefore you have no excuse. You who pass judgment on somebody else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment, you do the same things. And you say, well, I don't do that. You sin. You make mistakes. You do the same things all of us do. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. In other words, God does not have a plank in his eye. He can see the whole thing. He knows what's going on. He can see the whole truth. He can make a great decision, a great judgment, because he can see all the perspectives. He knows what got you here. He knows what somebody did to you or what somebody was supposed to do to you and didn't. He knows all that that got you to where you are. If he makes a judgment, it's because he sees the whole picture, and he's more just and fair than any of us could ever be. Verse 3, so when you, who are not God, by the way, you're a mere man, person, when you pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Answer, no, 
Or do you show contempt, hatred for the riches of God's kindness and tolerance and patience that he's given to you, not realizing that God's kindness leads you or is what led you towards repentance, towards changing your life? So here's the final teaching tonight, teaching number five. Treat others the way God treats you. With kindness, according to these verses, kindness, tolerance, grace, and truth. Treat others the way that, this is what Jesus is saying. Treat others the way God treats you with kindness, tolerance, grace, and truth. Let's change that to me. One, two, three. Treat others the way that God treats me with kindness, tolerance, grace, and truth. See, Jesus is wrapping this talk up, landing on the plane. He's talking to a bunch of people who claim to be followers of God. They, I believe in God. I, I go to you know, church. I, I read the Bible. But their reputation, what they're known for, is not their faith. It's not how much they trust God. It's not how much they love and are kind and patient and tolerant of other people. You know what they're known for? Their hypocrisy. Does that sound familiar? It's how the world sees the church. You know, in all my years of, of, of being a Christian, I have yet to meet the first person who comes up to me and says, you know, I'd go to your church, but I hate Jesus. He's just so loving uh, and kind and gracious and you know, forgiving. Uh, it just drives me crazy. I've never met anybody here or Afghanistan who has a problem with Jesus. Yet I lost count long ago of the people who have a problem with the hypocritical people who claim to follow him, yet act nothing like him. But let's not, let's not throw stones. Let's not be critical of other Christians or other churches and the specks in their eyes. Not our deal. What about us? Flattering us, we got a plank in our eye, don't we? Because the things that we're looking at other people about, we do it every single day. So how about this, Flatirons? Individually and as a church, we start working on our own planks. We work on our own stuff. And let's start with the person looking back at you in the mirror. It's a good place to start. I'm getting more specific. In light of all the grace and forgiveness that God has shown me and you. Here's a question. Who in your life tonight needs you to show them the same grace and the same forgiveness that God's already given to you? Big question. When I think about how much God loves, not loved, loves me, tolerates with me. I mean, he's very, he puts up a lot, doesn't he, with you, right? And me, I mean, absolutely. And he's so patient with me. I would have given up on me long ago. He keeps putting up with me. If that's all true, who in my life needs the same thing from me to them? That's what Jesus is teaching tonight. To me and to you and to us. Get it? Great.